This episode is brought to you by JLL. Get an insider view into the world of commercial real estate with JLL's podcast, Trends and Insights, the Future of Commercial Real Estate. Whether you're curious about making cities more sustainable, the evolution of office space, or AI opportunities, this podcast will help keep you a step ahead. Tune in for candid conversations with business leaders about the biggest trends impacting how we live, work, and play. Subscribe to Trends and Insights now at jll.com slash podcast. This is the John Oakley Show podcast. Here we are on a great day for talk radio. Yep, just uh, making some notes from the last guy who was rather uh, emphatic that small business is getting jobbed here in any kind of bailout. So let's pick up on that as our initial talking point with our Sound in the Fury panel. That's Anthony Fury from the Sun Papers as a national columnist and Peter Tabbins, NDP MPP for Toronto Danforth and their energy and climate crisis critic. Gents, how are you doing this afternoon? I'm well. How are you? Appreciate you joining us. I don't know if you heard the last guy, but I've got to ask you straight up because uh, we know the government yesterday, this is the provincial government, announced the $17 billion package. And what we've got from the feds is something approximating $107 billion tax deferrals, making up about 50% of that. Uh, Peter, let me start with you, though. I mean, the government's going into deficit uh, to $20.5 billion is the projection. Could it even go higher? Let's just say, because Doug Ford uh, emphasized again at his presser this afternoon, whatever it takes, they're going to leave no stone unturned or no one gets left behind. Uh, do you think the government should meet that obligation no matter the cost? Well, I think at this point in Ontario, people's fundamental overriding concern is uh, will they be able to keep healthy? And will they be able to hold their lives together, their jobs, their businesses, uh, put food on the table, hold on to their homes? They're, they're feeling anxious and they're feeling squeezed. And I think, John, that people will expect the government will pay what's necessary to meet those two goals. And I, I don't think, as I've been talking to people, that that's their primary. Their, the deficit in provincial finances are not their big worry right now. Their big worry are the things I just outlined, health and, and home. Uh, and I think that the government's going to have to be prepared to address that. In the end, if we don't keep people healthy and if we don't make sure they can hold on to their homes and their jobs, their businesses, it's going to be a lot tougher getting out of this recession, get out of this crisis. It, it's a, a tough investment, but it's a smart investment in keeping people in good shape in Ontario. My question, though, is it an adequate investment? Um, I think... What was put out yesterday uh, had some good elements in it. I'm glad that there's more money going into hospitals, but I don't think that there was enough there to help people uh, hold on to their homes and hold on to their businesses. I've been talking to a lot of small businesses who say, you can give us all the tax breaks you want. We don't have cash. Um, We don't have customers coming in. We have rents to pay. We have bills to pay. We've lost most of our workers. We had to lay them off. Um, We're just hanging on by our fingernails. And I think the government is going to have to step in if we want to protect uh, the businesses that we have in this city, in this province, and keep them stable and able to recover and get back fully into the swing of things uh, when this crisis is passed. All right, over to you, Anthony. Is this one on the province or the feds, a combination thereof? And same question that I put to Peter, uh, is the $17 billion that's taking the deficit down to 20.5 in this fiscal year, is that going to be adequate? Can we afford to spend more? Even the feds, should they maybe, some, some economists are saying they'll have to take the package to $200 billion. 
No, in fact, I think what's happening now, John, is we're actually soon in the next week or so going to see a public backlash to a lot of what's going on and to the received wisdom of last week. We know politics is downstream from culture. The politicians are always a week behind where the rest of us were at. You know, I was one of the first people ringing this bell about this virus. People called me alarmist for predicting things that are half as bad as what is happening right now. But I think we're looking at how the economy is being absolutely devastated. And we're saying, let's not accept the fact that we are now seeing John Tory has now closed all public parks, not just the playgrounds, not just playing baseball diamonds, but families staying 20 meters away from each other still cannot go to parks. We are going to see a major uh, series of questions from regular people asking, really, is this the situation we're at? I think what people will want to see soon is the healthcare system vastly ramped up with the ventilators, the ICU beds, so we can actually manage an influx of people with this. And then we are going to see a reopening of society, kind of like Donald Trump was teasing. I think he was a bit premature and hasty to do it in the way he did, but that's how he rolls. That's where we're going to be heading next. We're not going to be seeing these lockdowns in place for six or nine months, even as we await the vaccine. So I think these financial measures are ones where you saw Trudeau tried to pass a bill to give him power until the end of 2021. I think we need to be talking about a three-month stopgap measure to prop up the economy, not a new normal. All right, and just further to that point, because uh, Larry Kudlow, uh, the economic point man for the Trump administration, did say public health is also economic health. So that sort of, uh, I guess, sort of captures your thoughts uh, as far as, you know, you've got to make sure the economy's healthy too, so people don't lose their businesses, their homes, and the fallout from all of that is uh, equal to anything that the virus might impact. Yeah, you got it. I mean, right now, the fact that we're seeing even even the walking trails are closed down. So you basically get to live in a coffin-sized box for the next, what, two years, three years, four years? What are they even telling us here? I mean, give us a break. People want to talk about different trade-offs in, in different respects, and maybe we move towards more protecting most vulnerable. Uh, the talking point from our officials, from our experts, John, was to actually call people like me alarmists and to say the risk is low in Canada. 80% of people will be fine. And yet now we're suddenly seeing, uh, I, I think because the politicians first underreacted, they're now overreacting and acting as if we're all going to die of this thing. And, and I think we, we, we have not yet to find the happy medium. Peter, how do you feel? Are we overreacting? No, I don't think we are, John. I think we're, we're acting on the advice of uh, public health officials. Uh, I think that we are in a situation where we don't want to have things get out of hand as they have in Italy or Spain, uh, where, in fact, you have huge economic impact, and you will for a while, from deaths and losses. Um, I think that we're wise to take that advice, keep people at a distance from each other, break the, the chain of contagion, uh, and then be in a position to rebuild. But I, I think if you actually abandon all of these measures before you've actually broken uh, the chain of contagion, before you flatten that curve, then you risk huge uh, health costs, huge human costs and lives. Uh, I don't think that's a wise approach. Again, I would listen to the people who are specializing in public health and epidemics and follow their advice. Okay, but here's the problem in all of this, John. They uh, said things back two months ago, three months ago, that are complete 180s of what they said before. As I've always said, there's no such thing as a coronavirus expert. It doesn't exist. So quite frankly, I'm, I'm, I'm a little, obviously these people are epidemiologists, just not, you know, coronavirus PhDs. I'm a little disappointed in how all the things they told us three months ago 
uh, we're 180 from what they're telling us now, and yet the stuff we're hearing from them now we have to take as gospel and upend our lives. I'm, I'm a little dismayed to hear Peter say rule by technocrats is acceptable right now. I still think, to the Larry Kudlow point, uh, other people need to come in and weigh the generalist perspective. Well, I, I don't think it's a question of rule by technocrat. If, if Anthony, you're, you're diagnosed by your doctor with cancer, and your doctor says you need to follow this course of action to save your life, uh, and you follow that course of action, that's not ruled by technocrat. You're listening to someone who has the knowledge of how to deal with a problem, and you're acting on that knowledge. I, I think that's entirely reasonable. Uh, I would say that uh, a lot of people in public health felt that there needed to be isolation measures, there needed to be testing. Um, political systems were slow to pick it up, and Italy and Spain, I think, are are pretty good examples, and it may be that the United States will turn out to be the place where we see the most impact. Uh, certainly, it seems, it looks like that at this point. All right, guys, uh, hang on. I wanted to come back. Obviously, we're pursuing this along the lines of COVID-19 and all that that engenders. Of course, uh, Doug Ford's also made some pronouncements whether or not uh, we'll see agreement with Anthony Fury and Peter Tabbins on some of uh, what he has initiated. Thanks for listening to the John Oakley Show podcast. Be sure to rate, review, and subscribe for free at Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and anywhere else you get your on-demand audio.